that a perfectionist is someone who relentlessly strives for extremely high standards that are often really personally demanding and they're often quite unreasonable standards as well. Um, and this is very much then linked into how you judge your self-worth mm-hmm. on your ability to strive for and to achieve and meet those standards that you set yourself. So you can already see how you're kind of setting yourself up for failure a little bit in the sense that the standards are really high, a bit unreasonable, and your self-worth is based off of being able to, to meet that. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I share an interview from one of my recent online club meetings, which you can join at minddetox.club. I talked to Natalie Englander, who's a CBT therapist and mindfulness teacher. We chat about perfectionism and self-worth. Being what she calls a recovering perfectionist herself, she describes some of the signs and symptoms of perfectionism and what you can do to start healing this unhealthy habit. Stay tuned, because I also chat to Natalie about self-worth, including how it's different to self-esteem and some simple strategies for making the all-important shift from basing your value upon who you are rather than what you do or achieve. And if after listening you want to engage in some therapy to heal the hidden causes of perfectionism or low self-worth, you can work with Natalie by going to her website, natalieenglander.com, or with me by booking some sessions at minddetox.com. So hello and welcome to this chit-chat with the wonderful uh, Natalie Englander. Hello, Natalie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, This month inside my club, we're talking about self-worth. And a few months ago, uh, we were talking about perfectionism. And I tried to get you then. Then what were you doing? (laughs) What was your terrible excuse for not being able to join us then? I was having my babies. So not just one baby, a very good excuse as having two babies. (laughs) Yeah, Um, couldn't really argue with that. (laughs) Pretty good excuse, but I would have loved to have joined for your perfectionism months. But I think joining this time round with self-worth is good because they're very linked to perfectionism and self-worth. To be honest, I thought I was going to make the most of our time together. So I'd like to actually, you know, talk about both if you don't mind, because like you say, they're Mm. so tied. Yeah, Um, Absolutely. Before we do, I've got we've got to do the normal, um, you know, intros. So you are a CBT trained mindfulness, yes. and you've specialised in perfectionism and self esteem. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey to this point as to why you decided to uh, get into CBT and stuff, but also the uh, specialising as well into perfectionism? That's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess. It probably started with perfectionism um, when I was a teenager. And I think at the time, I probably didn't realise that I was a perfectionist because I tended to think, yeah, but I'm not perfect. So therefore, I'm not a perfectionist. Mm. Um, But I think I definitely was because often my self-worth would be tied to my achievements, essentially. Um, And I would sort of work really, really hard at school 
I would most of the time get good grades and feel good about myself, but then I would just sort of raise the bar even higher next time and think, well, that was too easy. Or occasionally if I failed, then I'd feel really awful about myself. Um, And this sort of just became a bit of a pattern which got quite overwhelming and anxiety provoking. Um, So at some point I did have my own therapy, which was really useful to learn and recognize, okay, maybe this is perfectionism. Um, and it was just so useful because I realized that you can have high standards and be a high, high achiever without all of that sort of perfectionism baggage, should we say, all the not so good stuff about being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you have your own experience of anxiety or depression, those sorts of things, um, often that kind of drives you to want to help others who have um maybe had or going through similar experiences so I think quite quickly from when I was like 16 and studied psychology I sort of decided right I'm going to be a therapist um and I mean there are lots of different types of therapies out there I'm sure lots of you here may have had some therapy I certainly have um and I think I really liked the idea of CBT because it's really um practical and sort of focused on the here and now and making changes so Mm -hmm. not just talking but actually kind of putting things into practice um so I think that always felt quite clear once I'd studied psychology at uni okay yes I want to be a therapist and I want to be this type of therapist a CBT therapist Mm -hmm. um and I guess mindfulness um is sort of a part of CBT um and a similar sort of journey in that I did mindfulness for myself um found it really useful and then thought this is great I'd love to share it with other people and wanted to train to be a mindfulness teacher as well um and I think there's perhaps something about when you've been through a particular experience yourself i.e perfectionism for me you have such a good understanding of it you can really relate to other people who have that same thing Mm-hmm. um and I think that it can maybe give you that edge a bit of kind of helping people um manage it and mm-hmm. I think I just noticed that when I um kind of saw people who had perfectionism or low self-esteem that they sort of did really well by the end of therapy and I thought yeah I think I, I really like doing this mm-hmm. um I like working with women with perfectionism mm-hmm. I guess I'm a woman with perfectionism so I can I can relate that's not to say I don't work with men or like working with men um I do but again I guess I just I get it um I think kind of women have a unique set of pressures in society um that I think can contribute to perfectionism and low self-esteem as well mm-hmm. um cool thank you so here I am <laughs> yeah here you are here we are exactly um, I love how you're doing the combination of therapy and mindfulness meditation on the side. I think it's such a powerful combination to be working on changing the mind, but also changing your relationship with the mind. And, and it seems to be, from my experience, we need to do kind of both, really, if we're going to really tackle it. Otherwise, the problems tend to can kind of sneak in in different places if you can't observe the mind. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. And And I think that, I mean, mindfulness is useful for anyone and everyone or most people I think regardless of if you're struggling with something or not um but I think with something like perfectionism you really can get caught in sort of vicious cycles um or unhelpful ways of thinking 
and mindfulness can be such a great way to to notice that and to interrupt it mm-hmm. um so as you say i think it can really kind of complement cognitive behavioral therapy and um and i mean for me perfectionism is all about striving and wanting things to be better sort of bigger and better or different essentially to how they are now um and mindfulness i guess is a complete opposite sort of sitting with how things are in this moment without wanting or trying to change them without sort of striving um but without the therapy that it can be an addiction perfectionism it can be a compulsion it can it, it, there's an unconscious driving force that you can be sitting there trying to do the mindfulness, but there's this compulsion, right? And so it's so powerful to have the combination. I, yeah, it, absolutely. Well, I um, When I was doing my mindfulness teacher training, actually, there's one that is sort of a, um, an, an intense week. And there's one of the days where you're essentially in silence all day. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, I bet you everyone else is having these like light bulb moments, life-changing stuff, and I'm just not having that at all. And then it got to sort of the end of the day and we all went back into the room and we were then allowed to speak and people were sharing their experiences and I was like, yeah, they really have been having these great experiences, but I haven't. And then suddenly something just clicked and I thought I just had this realisation, which probably sounds really simple now, but all the chatter that I have in my mind, the sort of perfectionist thoughts, you know, you need to do this, you need to be better at that. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. I just realized that I don't actually have to act on them or respond to them. I can just let them be there. Um, And I feel like that was quite a shift for me just to realize that even that maybe sounds quite simple now. I think I just hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it until that point. But that is such a, a perfectionism habit of comparing yourself to others. And we're, we're sat there in silence going, I bet they are having a better time. So talking yeah. of symptoms. Yeah. Uh, you see the link there? See the seamless link? Um, talking of symptoms. Very seamless. Uh, Perfect. One of, the reasons, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because um, I, well, I, met, I met you through Instagram. I followed you and saw like such great stuff. In fact, what's your Instagram handle while we're here? Um, it's at the perfectionism therapist, but it's the dot perfectionism dot therapist. Cool. So maybe someone will put that in the chat box at some point and everyone can follow you before the end. But um, the, the dot perfectionist dot therapist. Yeah, the dot perfectionism dot therapist. Fantastic. Fantastic. So one of the reasons I, I, I loved uh, your page was because you had such informative like infographics and really clearly Thank you, Antonia. Really clearly, like setting out all the signs and symptoms and other things as well. Would you mind Thank if you can remember some of them? I know it's uh, Sunday evening. Yeah. But would you mind kind of going through some of the common uh, signs and symptoms of perfectionism so we can understand what that term even means? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important because often, um, well, I mean, in the sort of field of psychology and therapy, there are perhaps different definitions, although they're generally all quite similar. Um, but often people maybe aren't quite sure what perfectionism really is, or they think, I think I'm a perfectionist, but I'm not quite sure. And you kind of get those that are like the, I'm definitely a perfectionist. Those that are kind of, I think so, I'm not sure. And then you get those who maybe come across my page and have no idea and they read it and they're like, you're describing me. I must be a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that. So I, guess, I didn't know I was until I read all this stuff about it. Oh, really? I, I, I was a recovering one. Let's put it that way. 
yeah. still had some traits that I worked on, but it was really cool to to see. Oh yeah, that's that's good. I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist as well. Um, but I guess I mean for me the main things is that a perfectionist is someone who relentlessly strives for extremely high standards that are often really personally demanding and they're often quite unreasonable standards as well. Um, and this is very much then linked into how you judge your self-worth mm -hmm. on your ability to strive for and to achieve and meet those standards that you set yourself. So you can already see how you're kind of setting yourself up for failure a little bit in the sense that the standards are really high, a bit unreasonable, and your self-worth is based off of being able to, to meet that. Um, and often perfectionists then experience quite negative consequences of trying to pursue these really tough standards, um, often at the cost of kind of other areas of their life, whether it's family life, doing hobbies or anything other than, I guess, the thing that you're wanting to strive for and achieve, which often can be work for, for people. But it, it can also, I guess, show up in all areas of your life. So, you know, someone might experience a lot of perfectionism around the home you know they want to have a show home or want it to look perfect or they want to have the perfect relationship um or kind of the the perfect life should we say mm -hmm. um and then i guess it can kind of translate into lots of different behaviors um things like list making don't worry if you make lists doesn't necessarily mean you're a perfectionist but sort of endless list making, um, self-criticism, um, burnout, wanting to feel in control, imposter syndrome happens a lot for perfectionists, maybe repeatedly checking things, checking that it's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, often other people might describe you as a perfectionist, maybe even if you're, you're not so sure. Um, or you might come from a family of perfectionists. I'd say that's, that's probably relevant for me. Um, and I think the big thing is that often people maybe think perfectionism is a positive thing um, or it often comes up in interviews. It will be like, you know, what's your area of weakness? And pe people might be like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. But thinking, you know, the person's going to love that because it means I'm really good at working hard or something like that. Um, and I guess there, there are some positives of perfectionism in that you, you know, you might achieve lots of things and you might have high standards but I guess the not so good part is is how you do that how you try and reach that um and that you you don't have to have both you can have high standards and do well without being a perfectionist and we'll maybe come on to that later because I think I learned from you this uh, dialectical thinking but we'll come on to that was it you heard okay. <laughs> um but there was a quote I think um that I read when I was researching it and again I don't know if it was from your page but you said that or someone said that perfection is not about being perfect, it's about never being good enough and mm. about never failing. And I thought that was yeah. such a powerful way of putting it, right? Because they Absolutely. also have the idea that it's about being perfect, but actually what's really about is not never really feeling good enough. Yeah, definitely. I think any perfectionist that I meet or work with, that's always what's underneath it. Yes, there's a drive to, to want to be perfect, but it's because it, it's shielding you from what's, from sort of what's at the root of it which is a fear that you're not good enough or that you're worthless or or that you're a failure in some way mm -hmm. um so i guess from from a cbt perspective how we'd understand it is that 
all those standards and all the things you do are sort of guarding against that negative core belief that you hold against yourself, which you're desperately trying for it not to be true. Essentially, you're trying to do everything to make sure that you are good enough. Um, so as a takeaway, someone listening to this, they're going to be wanting to best to the best of the ability, find that core belief. Mm, and what kind of yeah. core beliefs, what kind of core beliefs do people tend to hold a guard against themselves that you mentioned earlier what, mm. what sort of beliefs yeah with? so I mean common ones that I often see when working with perfectionists would be I'm not good enough or I'm worthless or I'm unlovable um I'm a failure I'm stupid mm-hmm. um and these are quite often things that we aren't necessarily always aware of um they might sort of be like squashed deep down um and it's maybe not until we have therapy that we can uncover them with a therapist and then work on them um or maybe it's not until things don't go well that's when we realize um because sometimes for perfectionists a lot of the time maybe things do go well and they do meet all their standards so things are kind of feeling all right but then suddenly if you fail it can be really really difficult and kind of come out of nowhere that suddenly you're just feeling like i'm worthless mm-hmm. um so we're, so we're already going to talk. Sorry, I thought you were finished. And I was, I was just going to say, I think usually a good place to work on things like core beliefs is is in therapy, essentially. Mm, yeah, but I was going to ask you, seeing as we're kind of talk, starting to talk about the causes, um, mm-hmm. what what are the kind of the, the causes of that? Like when you're working with people and you're mapping back, like is there a particular mm-hmm. kind of parenting style that tends to kind of create this or? certain early life trauma events that are kind of you know common like what do you find comes up often yeah I think um definitely the things that you just mentioned can be part of it um I'd probably say it's not one single cause it's often a mix of things um so that can be definitely our um parenting or parental style from when we were growing up um, so if our p- parents were highly critical, for example, um, mm-hmm. that could have an impact on us. Um, or if our parents themselves or our family members are perfectionists, um, we kind of learn through modelling, um, learning behaviour from others, essentially, and then copying that. Um, or also sort of reward and reinforcement um, high standards are often praised in society. We kind of see them as like a good thing or oh, that person's got really high standards. That's amazing. Or, you know, if you do really well at school, you get lots of praise from your teachers and everyone says, well done, you're a good girl, etc." Um, so I think a, a combination of those, along with, I guess, um, perhaps a bit in there around genetics and your sort of individual personality traits, um, And then things that can develop over time, like a fear of failure or a fear of not being good enough um, or a fear of disapproval from others is quite a common one. And just sort of feeling like you need to prove yourself in some way or you need to prove your worth. Um, I think a mix of those things. You mentioned fear a few times there. So are you saying that Mm. you see people uh, that are presenting perfectionism, they're often also presenting anxiety? Yes, definitely. Um, I think you can see anxiety or depression or both. Um, 
often if a perfectionist is sort of in that mode of like do 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 go 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 strive 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 they can be feeling quite anxious because I mean it's scary if you fear failure and you have to go and do something let's say something new that you've never done before you're probably going to be feeling quite anxious because in your mind if you don't do well as this well at this sorry then you're worthless let's say Mm. um and then often I might see people who are quite depressed or burnt out because it can be exhausting (laughs) being a perfectionist Mm -hmm. um and that can then contribute to feeling low in mood or let's say you do fail at something you're then probably criticizing yourself thinking I'm rubbish etc um so yeah I think often it can show up in different ways um Mm -hmm. and someone might come to me either there are those that come to me saying I'm definitely a perfectionist please can you sort this out (laughs) or I get others that come to me you know I'm really struggling with anxiety or burnout or something like that and then we uncover okay perhaps this is perfectionism that's underneath this mm-hmm. before we move on to self-worth stuff because uh, i want to ask you about the links between perfectionism and self-worth and you, what, what self-worth is to you and stuff mm-hmm. um i think i remember uh, you sharing like is it the five types of perfectionism or something there's, there's a list of like five, or four three five i think it's five. Oh yeah the different types of perfectionists yeah, I know I'm putting you on the spot now. Oh, no, that's fine. But you, um, do you remember them before I ask you the question? Yeah, I think okay. I'll have them. They're on my Instagram. Um, and this is work that was done by, um, I don't know if any of you may have heard of her, Roz Shafran. She's sort of like queen of perfectionism in the CBT world. And okay. I've had lots of training with her. And she was the one who coined these different types, which I really liked because I thought, okay, I definitely sound like this one but it'd be fun which, if, if you hear if you could kind of go through them with a brief description of each maybe those lists yes. and maybe go well maybe i'm if i am one i might fall under that category yeah absolutely let me get them for you here okay so five different types um we've got the first one i'd say this is probably the one that i thought okay i think that might be me and that's the driven academic achiever so someone who must always achieve 100% without fail. And then you can get um, what we call the risk evader. So yeah. someone who exhibits an all or nothing approach and they can often lack the confidence to maybe try new things. So they don't, don't like risk. Um, then there's the aggravated accuracy assessor. I definitely put my hand up for this one and I drive myself insane. That's someone who must achieve exactness and is quite um, fixated on the redos, which my fiance would probably say that's what I'm like with my website. Just constantly I think my fiance, would, my fiance would say the exact same thing about me and my website. Yeah. <laughs> and my books. Like when I'm doing the, I love the editing of the book, but I think it's because the editing stage, the pressure's off and I'm just tweaking. The, yeah, uh, I was about to say, I, I love I love tweaking bits on my website as well, but my fiance is like, oh my God, she's doing it again. Tweaking. Yeah. Um, and then there's the controlling image manager. So that's someone who wants to be and um, be seen as perfect. So it's kind of about that image okay. of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one, which lots of people can usually relate to, is the procrastinating perfectionist. So um, someone who's often quite paralysed by fears, you know, fear of failure, fear of not doing something well enough, and lots of self-doubt that then kind of impair their ability to start or finish something so then they might procrastinate 
Okay, great. Wonderful summary. And um, I've got a couple of questions that link in with this. Number one, I assume you can be more than one of these, Caroline asks. Yes, definitely. I mean, for me, the driven academic achiever and the accurate, the aggravated accuracy assessor, that's been remarkable, that one. Um, yeah, I definitely, for me personally, relate to those two. And I think we can change throughout life as well. Um, if I think back to a teenager, what my perfectionism looked like and maybe what it did five years ago or how it looks now, um, it can, I think perfectionism can change a bit in terms of how it shows up in your life. I'm assuming this isn't just another label to give yourself. I'm now a aggravated assessor or whatever it is. Um, what this can do is it shines a light on the kind of type of perfectionism you, you, that you might be demonstrating. And therefore yeah. you can start more clearly from there looking at the causes. That's what yeah. I... Um, exactly, yeah. And I think I think um, Ros, who spoke about this, was sort of presenting it in sort of a playful way in that, you know, there can be different types of perfectionists who tend to maybe focus on different things or have mm-hmm. different drivers or, or fears. But as you say, it's, it's about being able to build that self-awareness and maybe spot these things in yourself that often people put down to, oh, that's just my personality. Um, but actually, maybe it's not always just your personality. It could also be perfectionism. Which leads to my other question that came in. How do you, how did uh, you how did you uh, realize that you were a perfectionist in the first place? I know you touched upon it earlier, but h- how did you actually realize? Like, where was the moment when you were like, "OMG!" and and what was going on in your <laughs> was it what emotion or what what was going on for you to really come to this conclusion? Yeah, good question. I think um, I'd probably say that um, later on in my life, so. Uh, perhaps having more distance between my real perfectionist behaviors maybe as a teenager and then later on in my sort of late 20s um having therapy and exploring things and looking back at things I did and thinking gosh that was actually really extreme like let's say in my in my A levels in my AS level before the final year I think I got like a low A in one of my exams and I thought I'll just do it again and get a higher A so that then in my final year, I don't have to work as hard because if I get high B, I'll get an A overall. Or, And I mean, saying that out loud, that sounds ridiculous. Um, redoing something so you can get a better A. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was maybe started to be a few light bulb moments. But then just, I guess, also reflecting on um, how I am now or sort of was then in my late 20s and how lots of my behaviours perhaps were linked to perfectionism um sort of very black and white thinking or very all or nothing mm-hmm. either sort of like really on it go 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 achieving striving or then just the complete opposite like exhausted burnt out and procrastinating um so I think probably really through therapy gaining self-awareness and then having knowledge as a therapist having trained and learned what perfectionism is and kind of putting the two together um because it sounds silly, but sometimes you, you can learn something, someone can tell you something, but you, you might not necessarily relate to it until you really explore yourself or become more self-aware to then put the two together. Absolutely. Um, I can really yeah. relate to that, doing it, repeating to get a better A. That's so... Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when, when at university, I missed a first by like, he, I was told 
it was like by a 0.0 something, you know? Uh, and I remember going into the car that on the way home before I went home and just crying in the car because I'd missed a first by zero point something. But, it, you know, it, in retrospect, it doesn't matter. But I remember that. And I tell you what, we got very similar traits when it comes to perfectionism. So I think our parents would probably get on really well because they sound, they sound quite, <laughs> they must be quite similar. Um, anyway. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, by the way, if my dad's watching. Um, uh, so thank you for that. Great. Sen- uh, summary of perfectionism let's see if we can make the bridge between that and self-esteem and self-worth so what is the link it, it, what is the link between perfectionism self-worth uh, self-esteem yeah maybe in some ways it's probably helpful if I say how I think of self-esteem and self-worth because they're, they're kind of the same thing but then they're also not um, and sometimes we're not too sure I mean I certainly wouldn't be if if I wasn't kind of really into learning everything about this um what the differences actually are um and then how they link to perfectionism um so I guess for me self-esteem is all about how you um evaluate yourself so how you think and feel about yourself and that can often change um based on how things are going in your life your mood your circumstances how other people are responding to you. So self-esteem can fluctuate. Um, Whereas your self-worth, I think, is something that's more global and um, sort of like a more stable form of self-esteem that just comes from knowing and believing in your worth as a person. Um, So if we think of self-esteem as how we evaluate ourselves and then, um, and I guess that could be good or bad sometimes, Um, self-worth is that belief that we're lovable or that we're valuable regardless of how we evaluate ourselves so we might have failed at something and we're feeling pretty rubbish about ourselves and maybe our self-esteem is a bit low um, or maybe it's hit rock bottom but our self-worth is that I still know that I'm a valuable human being in society Mm -hmm. um, or that you know I'm still um, worthy of love or or lovable that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and I guess that self-esteem um and in terms of how that links to perfectionism I guess you can be a perfectionist and have low self-esteem or you can be a perfectionist but not necessarily have low self-esteem um and then I guess your self-worth that's very much linked to perfectionism because again comes back to that sort of definition of perfectionism which is that your self-worth is tied to your ability to achieve mm-hmm. um and that's why i think perfectionism can actually be really really um dangerous or really difficult in some ways because it's not like it, oh it's linked to my self-esteem you know if i don't do well i feel a bit rubbish about myself today but tomorrow i'll feel better again if it's linked to your self-worth that's sort of, you know, unless I achieve or do well, I am unworthy as a human being. I'm just like a waste of space or I'm not lovable. Um, so I probably What's just the takeaway on to... a bit there or maybe confused you all more. No, no, no. I, I shared something yeah. similar last, well, last week with the guys when talking about this. And I'm glad you did correct me by saying they are different. They're, they're often interchanged, mm-hmm. these terms, but actually they are significantly different. Um, so yeah. I, I'm grateful that you said that, but I'm wondering what the takeaway is for someone when they're listening to this with based on these definitions, like, um, 
they they can they can probably know themselves quite quickly if they're if 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 it's self esteem is their issue or self worth which is their issue based on the definitions because self worth mm-hmm. is much more global and much more like like do I matter you <laughs> know am I worthy yeah uh, and, yeah. You know, should I even be here? That's why I think you have the. You say it's a bit more dangerous, right? Because you're moving into bigger territory. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess low self-esteem. Yeah, as you say, pe- people tend to know and tend to to come and tell you, "I've got low self-esteem. I feel rubbish about myself. I'm really self-critical. Um, I don't like um, kind of." going to social events and I'm withdrawing because I just feel like you know no one's going to want to talk to confidence. me or they'll, or they'll use the word confidence yes in, yeah in, absolutely change it with confidence right mm-hmm. yep and often someone with low self-esteem maybe um can be someone who sort of doesn't like to rock the boat um or they might be sort of people pleasers um they might not be good at prioritizing their own needs or self-care um I mean, generally, I think people with low self-esteem tend to be very, very nice people. <laughs> um, but some of that I get, might come from a place of that sort of fear of not wanting to rock the boat or um, upset people. And they'll sort of go above and beyond to be liked and, and be really nice and helpful, etc. Um, often they might kind of claim that any like luck, um, any sort of successes are just down to luck or fluke. Um, they just don't really believe in themselves very much. Um, but I guess the good news is that self-esteem is absolutely something that can be built and improved on. And, and the same with self-worth. Um, we just might approach them differently at times during therapy. Well, I'm really curious what you mean by that. So how, how would you go about <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that, that was dangling a carrot there, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, as a therapist listening um, to this, I'm like, okay, tell me. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're moving into that. I think we're at the point of our conversation where we are starting to talk about, okay, that's we understand the issue now. So how do we start healing this perfection, for example? And one way would be to uh, rebuild self-esteem and self-worth. Mm, to help yeah. yeah so uh, today let's focus on these two H- how can we rebuild uh, self-esteem and self-worth yeah um i mean you can do it in lots of different ways um and that doesn't necessarily always include therapy therapy is absolutely a great way to do it um but the good news is that you can you can do it yourself um before therapy or without going to therapy um and there are sort of quite simple, effective things like, um, I mean, journaling is good in the first place. Just taking five minutes each day to sit and write down how your day was, how you're feeling, how you're feeling about yourself, just to start building that self-awareness more. So you can maybe start to recognize if you are quite self-critical. Um, and then that can lead on to, I guess, something else that can be useful, which is spotting and noticing when you are criticizing yourself um, and trying to challenge that a little bit or maybe come up with some alternatives so if you have a thought you know I'm rubbish because you failed your driving test let's say um you might be able to challenge it and say okay I'm feeling like a bit of a failure because I failed my driving test but actually I'm still a good person and I've achieved xyz so I'm not a failure overall mm-hmm. um just sort of any anything can be helpful just to create a bit of flexibility 
in that negative thinking um, or acknowledging your positives is definitely a good one even if it's keeping a, a daily journal and writing down one positive thing about yourself whether that's something from the past or even just something day to day with an example like I held the door open for someone today that shows I'm a polite person there we go that's a nice positive quality um maybe taking on challenges to try and boost your confidence a bit um I guess unless we change our behavior then our beliefs might remain unchallenged um so if we think oh you know I'm not I'm not good at that or I can't do public speaking unless we go and do it then we'll probably continue to think I'm not good at public speaking or I can't do it um and stop comparing yourself to other people um maybe unfollowing some people on social media or on Instagram if you find that you're comparing yourself um so I think there are lots of things that you can do outside of, of therapy which can be useful um and I think for working on self-worth perhaps all of those things um but definitely also developing um some self-compassion which yeah, I, saw that. I saw that I saw that phrase on your website I was hoping you'd bring that up and what is self what's self-compassion for you yes great question probably not going to give the perfect answer um <laughs> so that's absolutely fine um <laughs> I guess for me, self-compassion is about being kind to yourself and um, kind of recognising that common humanity in that we all suffer um, and we all can have difficulties, um, difficult days, etc., where we might feel rubbish about ourselves. And sort of we're not we're not alone in that. It's kind of just part of being a human. Um, and it, I guess it's something about taking it less personally um, in that we are still worthy as humans. We're all in this together. And if we are suffering, then it's important to have compassion for ourselves and to be kind to ourselves. Um, and I think it's often something that people can really struggle with, the idea of having compassion for ourselves. We feel like, oh, you know, isn't that a bit self-indulgent? Um, or, you know, it, does, is that going to make me weak? Um, there can often be quite a lot of barriers to self-compassion, but it's so important, particularly for perfectionists who don't have much self-compassion. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Thank you. My only concern is I might have to unfollow you on Instagram because I, I compare my wall, my wall to <laughs> your wall, and your wall is much prettier than mine, much better, <laughs> more brandied and organized. So, no, I... I that's because I'm the the fixated on the redos, the tweaking. <laughs> you should have seen. There's there's been a thousand different brand colours before I've landed on this one. Well, you but don't now. Know. I've now I've embraced it, and I thought, do you know what? It is what it is. It's just going to stay as it is. Like if I, I ever put up a post and there's a spelling mistake, oh, but I purposely I, leave it now because it's good I, to challenge yeah. my perfectionism. <laughs> I think you actually should just do a typo in your official logo, just just to. If this logo yeah. bothers you, hire me. That's what you. No, do you know what? Do you know what I did do? I um, although I changed it, so I should go back and do it now. Is um, my bio has got three different lines, and I started them all without a capital letter because I was like, oh, that's, that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And even worse, to only have one with a capital. Good to sit with. 
Even worse oh, to have just one. I don't know if I'd quite be able to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. So we've got some really practical tools there and tips there for um, increasing self-worth. Um, and just with the journaling thing, um, something I've not done before. So I'm really curious, like what happens if you just journal and it's all negative? Like what, what does someone do if they're just journaling and it, it's like really kind of just cyclical thinking, almost like it doesn't feel like it's helping. What kind of top tip would yeah. you recommend to them? Like they, they do. Yeah. I mean, I guess we think a couple of things. Um, I'd probably congratulate someone and say that's brilliant that you've noticed and recognised that actually all of your journaling is really negative and quite repetitive and you've spotted cycles in your thinking. Like, that's amazing. Mm. Um, Because unless we have that self-awareness as that first step, then we kind of can't even really get on to the second step of making changes. How can we make changes if we don't know what we actually need to change or, or what the problem is? Um, but I guess in terms of answering the question in a practical way, um, if you find that you're journaling and it is all really negative, then yes, maybe it could prompt you to think, am I feeling great about myself? Maybe not. Maybe would it be helpful to have therapy? But if you're not into therapy and that's fine, maybe just sort of evaluate, is journaling helpful for you? Is it actually making you feel worse? Does it lower your mood every time? you've sort of sat and journaled um, and then um, maybe it's not for you and that's okay. And maybe um, kind of expressing yourself or becoming more self-aware in other ways might be better suited Um, because sometimes if we have a tendency to ruminate, which is when we think about things from the past, usually negative things over and over again, um, then I guess we don't want to get caught in the trap of, kind of ruminating whilst we're journaling mm-hmm. um, and if if we're starting to think oh it is journaling for me we could try before we think nope I'm not doing that again maybe journaling in a more structured way so rather than just a blank piece of paper and write down you know any thoughts that come up that's what I tend to like doing but you can do it in a really structured way where you have particular prompts asking you you know what's one thing you're grateful for today what's one thing that you did that was positive today what's one thing you struggled with today and how did you overcome it or how would you like to overcome it next time it happens um so things can be kind of framed more carefully perhaps thank you for your honest answer and i think it's great i'm glad you got the end there to the whole but you could do it more structured and actually use Mm. it as a tool to yeah share whatever is there but also at least even if you just end with one thing that <laughs> you're mm. that went okay today, you know, yeah, and it, they're opening exactly. a door, but it's also, I'm, what I'm hearing is journaling. It's important not just to get lost in the words, but also to take a bit of a step back and know why you're doing it. You know, look for some patterns, look for themes, look for, to become more self-aware in that, in that way. Mm. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So um, we're about to bring this part of our, Chit chat to a close. Well, in a few moments, we'll go over to the people on the line to see if they have any questions or anything they want to share with you. Um, what is it you'd love to, um, you know, make sure you've conveyed today when we're talking about perfectionism, self-esteem, self-worth? You know, is there any kind of parting words or something that you really think I need to ask you about or you, you really want to share t- for this to feel complete? 
yeah um I guess sorry I'm just changing the view so I can make sure that I can see you all so it feels like I can share it with you (laughs) um I think for me it would probably be um how can I explain it okay maybe I'll say it in this way so as a human being I tend to think that perfectionism is a good thing but as a therapist I know now that it's not um so as a perfectionist I tend to think or feel we know it's got me to where I am and I've been really successful in my career etc um but I then have to remind myself as the therapist with more training and knowledge in this area that actually you can achieve and get all of that without being a perfectionist or having all the perfectionism baggage that goes with it. Um, And I now know that having worked on myself and having helped lots of other people um, that you you can be a high achiever or have high standards, et cetera, without being a perfectionist. so maybe it feels a bit negative, but no, no. the message is probably that perfectionism isn't necessarily a good thing and it's worthwhile working on it because it can um, leave you more vulnerable to things like anxiety, depression, eating disorders, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I think it's great. Beautiful answer. And the way you answered it, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you were you were using dialectical thinking, which I did see we were going to talk about before we end it today I don't know, this and yeah so can you just before we close this uh for the podcast or whatever this is going to be used for later um what is dialectical thinking and how can it help you overcome uh, perfectionism and even improve self-worth and self-esteem well that is a brilliant question and to be honest you may have to answer the question for me because <laughs> i don't know if it was me oh who really who had spoken <laughs> about that before but I'm I'm chuffed that I know what it is without really knowing what it is or that well, I'm doing it. it. You did it. Well, um, the let's go thinking. So please, please tell oh, me. No, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you put me in the spot. Um, <laughs> this might not be the perfect definition, but the let's go thinking is basically an antidote to extreme thinking, extreme black and white thinking. Okay. So you yeah. know, you know about that, of course, with with all the training you've done, where. Well, talk about that a little bit then. What what perfectionism, they tend to have that kind of extreme thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, really. Um, usually call it black and white thinking or all mm-hmm. or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be sort of very extreme, you know, either I've got 100% and that's great or I've got 90% and that's rubbish and I failed. Mm-hmm. Um, so very extreme. And we can often struggle to see the shades of grey in the middle. Exactly. Um, that you know okay maybe I didn't quite get what I wanted to get but this is still fine um, and so yeah I think a big part of it is just becoming more aware of of when you're falling into that trap of all or nothing thinking um, like I maybe notice it say with cleaning the house I'll feel like you know I want to do it all and thoroughly and really well um, and if I don't have time to do that then I'm not going to do it at all um, which is well, then because then the house might be messy and dirty and actually if I just do it more in the middle shades of grey it would probably be better exactly but electrical thinking as practical tool it would be like I I can um, not get the whole house cleaned and still be a good mother (laughs) or father 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I, can, um, I think I've got an example in my inbox about burning an onion as part of making dinner. So the whole thing was ruined, you know, so it's like I can burn the onion, but still be a good cook. <laughs> These are probably really lame yeah. examples, but I'm trying to, you know, I can get 90%. I can get less than what I was aiming for, but still be a good student or or whatever, you know, so it's just about opening that door up to not being so black and white. That's the yeah. idea between. Um, oh, yeah. So the example came in, I can co- I cooked a great meal and the onion was a bit burnt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can have a bad lesson, but still be a good teacher. Is that a hint that I'm not, we're not doing a very good job. <laughs> um, so Ed, I'm just joking. And that's probably, that's probably something really common for therapists, particularly when they're in training, you know, if their client's doing really well and coming into sessions saying, this is great. I've done this and I'm feeling much better Then after the session. You're probably feeling like, yes, I'm a good therapist. I love this. But then if someone comes and says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling, I couldn't do that, etc., then you might leave thinking like, oh, God, I'm a really bad therapist. But actually, it, it's not about that. You're perhaps still a good therapist. Um, and, you know, this is just part of it. People are going to have good sessions, bad sessions. They're going to feel like they're doing well or not so well. And that's just part of the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can say it better. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, what, okay. what's, Thank what's you your website? Me. What's your website? We got your your Instagram handle earlier. What's your website? Yes, um, NatalieEnglander.com. And uh, you're you're off from uh, maternity leave now, or you're starting to phase out of it a little bit. So are you taking on clients and things? Yeah. So so I actually work in the NHS um, as a deputy clinical lead for a mental health service, and that's where I'm on. I'm on maternity leave there for a okay. year, um, but I also have my private practice so I've just started to see um, a few clients um, in my private practice and in September I'll be running another mindfulness course that I do online an eight-week mindfulness-based cognitive therapy course just to ease myself back in a little bit. Well maybe we can get you back to talk about that. Yes I would love to that would be brilliant. It's a date so thank you so much and we'll bring this part of the webinar uh, to a close. So um, until next time, thank you very much. Thank you. And if after listening, you want to engage in some therapy to heal the hidden causes of perfectionism or low self-worth, you can work with Natalie by going to her website, natalieenglander.com or with me by booking some sessions at minddetox.com.